Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast. It's so great to be with you today. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist, author, and the originator of the Awareness Integration Theory and Institute. Our conversation is about what matters the most in our life, our minds, our thoughts, feelings, actions, relationships, and our fulfillment in this beautiful journey of life. A couple of announcements for all psychotherapists, mental health practitioners, and life coaches. The essential awareness integration theory course is coming up June 24th to 26th. The early bird special is coming up June 10th. So don't forget, come on, sign up. And the space is very limited. I'd love to have you there to share the theory and intervention with you all. And this is part of uh, becoming um, a certified a mental health practitioner, a therapist, or a coach. Today, I get the chance and I'm honored to talk to Kate Hartstall. Kate, who is the empowering and life-enhancing author of two books, Humanity's Cry for Change, that we're going to be talking about today, and Deeply We Are One. She's also the confidence coach, a workshop facilitator, co-author, public speaker, and a Reiki master and teacher. For over 20 years, Kate has been receiving profound insights while meditating. She's passionate about supporting her clients, audiences, and readers with these insights, along with the wisdom from her vast life experience and education. Her clients and students are enriched through her self-confidence, meditation, and Reiki workshop, which she taught for over 15 years. She's passionate about helping people realize that as they better themselves and create inner peace, they also support creating peace worldwide. Her best quote is peace within will create peace on earth. So I'm positive you will enjoy this conversation that we have together um, as much as I did. Subscribe to this podcast, uh, my YouTube channel and connect with me through my website, fujanzane.com or any of the social medias. I love to hear from you. So here it is, our conversation with Kate Hartson. Well, welcome to the show, Kate, Kate Hartsong. Um, and um, it is beautiful to have you uh, with me and, and talking about something that is so important right now. Um, and uh, your latest book that um, it is, it's called um, Cry for Change. Humanity's mm -hmm. Cry for Change. Um, and such a good time for it to come because the world is changing in so many different layers. And I think after the pandemic, it gave all of us a little bit of a shake that says we're very vulnerable. Although we think we own the world, human beings think like, you know, we got this, you know, we could control every aspect of the world. It was a rude awakening, I think, for all of us to uh, shake up with this concept. Um, and then, you know, more and more about how not only the environment is changing, but how much we as human beings are changing. 
Mm -hmm. So, um, so thank you for coming in to the show. It is such a joy to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Indeed, we are in incredible times, difficult and challenging. But as you well know, and I'm sure your audience knows, we do the best growth and expansion and healing within ourselves when we're in a lot of pain. Unfortunately, that is typical. And like you said so well, the pandemic has created so much uh, upheaval, but yet it's given us so many opportunities for growth. And as you well know, there's so much happening and so many changes happening on the planet worldwide, you know, on a collective basis, but as well as individually. Yes. And so there's a lot of reasons for this. Yes. Well, um, you have a section which is called "One on Earth is Happening," okay. and um, there's a there's this also boost, especially because of looking at the artificial intelligence. There's also this boost that is showing up in the concept of uh, consciousness about mm -hmm. human being being conscious and what is consciousness and is it just the human being having that consciousness or is it you know other animals on the earth. And then they're also, I think we're becoming more conscious of what is going on on earth because it is coming back to us and saying, you know, with the, with the weather, with um, the heat, with drought, with all of that's happening. Earth is also talking and saying, you know, you need to take care of me and you can't yes. be unconscious about everything you do. You've got to become more conscious. Absolutely. Can you share a little bit about what on earth is happening? <laughs> Yes, what on earth is happening is there is a major evolutionary shift on the planet, humanity and also Mother Earth goes through evolutionary shifts from time to time. This is part of the natural order of nature of the universe, always growing and expanding. And what we're going through right now is we're right smack in the middle between the old age of Pisces which is characterized by oh, domin male domination, war, aggression, competition, believing that we're separate, believing that men and women are not the same, unfortunately. Um, but we are moving out of that old paradigm into a new age, which is so hopeful. And is this really is, it's the age of Aquarius. And the characteristics of this is collaboration and kindness and respect, harmony, love, peace, all of those higher vibrational energies and emotions. But in order to get to the new, we need to address and heal the old. And so what we're going on, what is happening on earth is there's just so much of the upheaval that needs to rise to the surface to bring us into awareness. And through this, we actually have the opportunity then to heal. And this is true whether it's on a collective basis or even on an individual basis. I'm sure so many of us can relate to all the challenges and, oh, the upheavals in our own lives. And yet we all recognize we learn and grow from it. It may not be so easy, but you know, there are ways to expand and grow you know, it, this sounds kind of corny, but I've got to share. Um, 
a few years ago, I had this epiphany that the reason why older people are so wise is, well, they've gone through so much in their life. And I thought, well, that explains it. <laughs> That's why we're so much wiser when we're older. Not that we're not wise when we're young, but we have that enrichment, if you know what I mean, the, the experience of life. So I'm very hopeful that even though we're going through so much upheaval, uh, I really know that there is good at the end of the tunnel. So it seems like there's a lot of um, anger, whether it's through the war or through, you know, we just had, I think, three mass shootings in one weekend uh, across the yeah. United States from one extreme to the other. Yeah. So there's a, there's a space of uh, conversation of peace and consistently moving toward peace. And then yet, as you say, we keep seeing all of these upheavals coming up is as if there's bubbling up in order to uh, whatever it is that it needs to be released to be released. Um, you talk about the deep pain of humanity. And uh, can you share a little bit about what you see as the deepest pain of humanity? Uh, from my perspective, and the book shares a little bit about this is for so many years, thousands of years, there has been such um, difficulties and challenges in how people are treated. Many people are attached to the ego, thinking that dominance and aggression is the way to resolve things. And on a deepest level of the collective consciousness of which we're all part of, there really is this deep pain of not being respected, not being treated with reverence for life. And it really all does start within our own selves. So the deep pain is we just don't want this anymore. We want, for example, for our children to be safe, for us to be safe walking on the street. We want to be able to just know that we are at peace and we can share joy and love and lightness with another. But the deep pain is there's so many people who have, um, there are so many people who really have a low self-esteem or low self-worth. There are certainly many people who have a high self-esteem, but those who are in a place, do they don't feel like they're worthy. That's also a deep pain. And we all add to the collective consciousness. So when one person hurts and one person doesn't feel like they're worthy, that adds to, oh, the it impacts people around them. It adds to the collective consciousness of uh, the energy of uh, lower vibration, if that, if that makes sense. Well, anyone who goes through uh, an upheaval personally, they do affect their own community. And from there, you can see the ripple effect, the same way yes. when someone is in a good space. That they have the ripple effect, whether it's with their, you know, uh, mate or with their children, or they go to work and with their coworkers or boss or customers or whomever is around them within their neighborhood, you see that the effect is going to have a ripple effect. And it's the same thing as I'm hearing you. When someone has a low self-esteem, they hold on to a lot of hatred or upset or rage that that range also gets uh, kind of like a boomerang effect to everyone. So um, when you are uh, acting in a range with someone, 
that effect onto another person, they will take your rage and may fire mm -hmm. their own rage in that way, where they mm -hmm. might feel like bullied and their concept of unfairness attaches to their own rage yeah. and then they will boomerang. So part of uh, what you're sharing is that when you, as I hear it, is that when we are aware and conscious of um, how we are inside and kind of like calm down our own dualities and to get into a different space with ourselves, then that also affects people around and that's how it gets also from a different level of a collective consciousness it shows yeah. two ways one is it does it happen to me is it out there and i can attach myself to it or how how do i also shift from inside and affect the world outside of me yes and that's so well said, really, you just, in my perspective, hit the nail on the head. How can I shift with inside of me to make a change on the outside? And I have two things to say. One is, hopefully more and more people are awakening to the realization that they can make a shift. I'm an eternal optimist, and I know it's possible. I grew up in a very traumatic um dysfunctional family, lots of shame, no self-worth, and I have been able to transcend that. And that's actually the reason I have so much passion and so much uh, knowing that it's possible for people to make change. So it's so important to know that we can. I also will say there are people who may not be aware that they can make change. For those people, I would encourage them to know Truly, it is possible. There's so many resources on the internet that can empower them to know actually is possible to make change. There's this term I love to use. Um, most of the time I pronounce it right. <laughs> it's called neuroplasticity. And I know you know what that is. This gives me the hope that people can make change. And it takes time. It ha doesn't happen overnight but it can happen. So making a shift within ourselves is so uh, critical to making a shift outside because really whatever we have within ourselves is reflected on the outside. And this is really because we're all interconnected. And that's the only place we actually have some control or some influence in is the shift within inside that happens. You. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the book's name is Humanity's Cry for Change, but you also, the subtitle is Actions You Can Take to Create a New Earth. So share with us actions we can take. Yes, actions we can take. There are so many. Um, I'll share a couple of simple ones. Very simple. And I so encourage everyone to do this. And that is to have gratitude. When we are in a place of gratitude for anything, whether it's our car started in the morning or gosh, without thinking, um, you know, we turn off, we turn on the water faucet, water comes out, water is available. Or what about the uh, gratitude of having a good friend to listen to? Or what about this podcast and the enrichment that people get from your podcast? There are so many things to focus on that we can be grateful for. This raises our vibration. It shifts our energy. So it's also a good way to look at things um, halfway full instead of half empty. 
focusing on the good. And as we do this more, it builds up and has an amazing cumulative effect. So gratitude is one of the easiest, simple things that we can take. Another action that's very important is to raise our vibration. And one of the ways is to have gratitude. Another way to raise our vibration. Oh, care about what it means when you say vibration or raise vibration for people who are new to this terminology. Oh, thank you. And uh, raising our vibration really means uh, raising the frequency of our emotions. So just very briefly, everything is energy. Uh, quantum physics has proved this. And our thoughts, our words, our emotions are energy. So lower vibe. Oh, so energy, every energy has a certain level of movement, which is known as frequency or vibration. So it's really a natural law of the universe that everything vibrates at a certain level. Higher vibrations such as love or kindness or harmony will vibrate at a faster, higher frequency. And then a lower emotions, um, oh, anger or jealousy will vibrate actually at a lower vibration. So this is what I mean by vibration. So when we're talking about raising our vibration, what I really mean is, what is it that we can do to elevate our emotions into a higher vibrations? So what can we do to have more love in our life? Or how about kindness to ourselves, Or having that gratitude? And there's a simple exercise that we can do to raise our vibration. There's many things we can do. But one of them is to go into gratitude. And that's a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, another action that we can take, and this is not something that can be done very easily, but it's very, very supportive, is to recognize that everything is interconnected. Even though we recognize and see ourselves as separate beings, as I mentioned, on the most basic level, everything is energy. And we can see this demonstrated when we walk into a room and you know how it feels when you're kind of feeling like that icky feeling from someone or that feeling of, my God, I love being around this person. So we're actually, you know, picking up on their vibes. <laughs> I think everyone knows that term. So I would encourage people to just explore observations of interconnection, such as what I just described, or, you know, maybe recognize if someone pops into our mind, and then sure enough, a minute or two later, they call us. What is that? And to try acclimate ourselves into perhaps being open to the idea that what I do or what I say can impact others. So what can I do for myself for my own healing? All of this will help us go back into perhaps a little more understanding that there really is an interconnection. And I might also add, this is so true with Mother Earth, as you mentioned earlier, with all the changes that are happening with her. What can we do to recognize the interconnection we have with her as well? 
but it also shows up in our minute behavioral perspective. Yeah. So for example, if you are, you know, in your anger or jealousy or fear or um, any of the emotions that creates unsafety for yourself, automatically based on your body language, whether somebody's even connecting or has the ability to connect with, you know, the emotions and the vibrations, your body language is going to show mm -hmm. up as that. And behaviorally, they are also going to pick up those signals yeah. from your body language the same way we do. Like we could go to, um, you know, a supermarket or uh, yeah. any place and you could just kind of quietly look at people with their body language and you could kind of say, oh, I feel safe beside this person because mm. their body language states that they're in a state of like at ease. Um, their facial expression gives me the concept of caring versus mm -hmm. the next one in the line might be like they're agitated, they're constantly moving. And, you know, when, when they look up, their eyes has this, con you know, kind of like staring eyes is like, yeah. what do you want? And you know, like you go around them, there's this possibility of some sort of an aggression. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's that connection that we all of us have, whether we are connecting to the inner vibration of someone or we're reading it through their body language, which gives yeah. us some connotation. And uh, what I'm also hearing is when you become responsible for your own, because you know that whatever's happening inside of you shows up in your body language for others, the same way you are reading others, mm -hmm. guess what? They're also reading you. <laughs> yeah. And it, that's going to affect them. That's going to say that if somebody wants to feel safe enough to be connecting to you or uh, dangerous enough that they want to run away from you. Yeah. Uh, or that you are dangerous enough that it they want to fight you. Uh, mm -hmm. They think they're going to harm them and they're going to come back and harm you because mm -hmm. of your behavior, because of, you know, your your way of uh, provoking something in them. Yeah. So as as you internally are creating this harmony of the love and gratitude and safety and at easeness with whatever shows up, that creates this kind of like a balance around you where mm -hmm. it might also mm -hmm. bring everybody else into their own safety versus bringing other people into their own danger zone, which will react. Yes, and you worded that again so well. It's very important to be aware of our inner, inner ecology. How are we feeling? And how can we do what you just shared and how important it is. How can we do that unless we are aware? You know, like mindfulness and being aware of the physical body, being aware of what emotions or that gut uh, or a knot in the stomach feeling when you're around someone. And yes, other people are going to pick it up from you. And that's why I just know it's, as you well know, with the line of work you do as a psychologist, how important it is we do our inner work because the more we heal, the more we feel better. And then of course our energy and our vibration raises up and we are lighter. And I love to empower people to know when we're in that space, we are more empowered and we're more able to do what we're meant to do on the planet. We're better able to share our gifts and skills. And this is actually one of the other actions that is described in my book is to do our inner work. And the more empowered we become, 
the better we feel. And that has that wonderful radiating ripple out effect. Um, and others feel it. And we're just in sync with the gifts and we're much more able to be of service. So it's so important to be in tune with that inner work and recognizing, like you say, if you're at a grocery store, you're feeling good around someone, maybe you don't feel safe around someone else. Trust it and go by that inner compass. Yes, we, we pick up um, a lot of information. And mm, I think that yeah. part of that is how do we trust that information as we get it? How do we process that information? Yeah. And, and how do we, how are we responsible for giving information about who we are yeah. to the world, whether we talk or yeah. it all shows up in our body language somehow and our vibrations somehow. Um, so the action of taking care of yourself and doing the inner work, um, obviously this is something that I consistently do at the office with people. Um, what, how do you suggest doing the inner work of bringing these parts of the dualities that are, you know, part of just being a human being, we're consistently in this, you know, opposite duality that shows up for us. What are your suggestions for people who are with us about how to go through the process of the inner work and inner journey? Mm, that's a big, big question that can be answered in so many ways. I would preface it by saying it depends on where are you at. Some people need just a little bit of inner work. On the other end of the spectrum, there are people who have been greatly traumatized. So it really depends on where they are on that spectrum, as you well know. Um, but I would say for the person who is perhaps somewhere in the middle or on the end that they just need a little help. Number one is to be aware, have that mindfulness. When we have a mindfulness and awareness, then we know where we are, we know what needs to be healed, or maybe just something we want to change. So we could do that in many different ways. But the awareness is key. We, we are, sense ourselves being here, and we want to be here. Another key on inner work I would recommend is meditation. So many people will say, and I can't say enough about myself, of, of the good that meditation does. It helps us to get balanced and into more of a state of consciousness that allows us to go deep and to, for myself, it just brings balance during the day. And it offers a cumulative effect over the years. Inner work would also include being honest with yourself, being honest in a way that's so compassionate, to try not to beat yourself up. When I was a kid and into my early 20s, I did a lot of that, as so many of us do. I beat myself up a lot. And that doesn't build our feeling good about ourselves, right? Um, being aware of our, our, our uh, self-talk will support us in doing our inner work. Recognizing maybe when do we get triggered? And then being honest with ourselves, well, maybe I need to do some work around this person, or maybe my work situation isn't working well. So mindfulness, awareness, being aware of self-talk, inner, inner work and can include also a powerful topic of shadow work. 
recognizing what shadow work is, is recognizing those aspects of ourselves. They are part of us, but maybe we're like, oh my God, if someone knew about that, about me, you know, like for example, when I was growing up, I was very, very controlling and not trusting. And the control actually affected a lot of relationships. And I didn't have many friends when I was younger. I've learned since then to work through some of the uh, difficulties from childhood and realize I don't have to control so much. And yet that inner part of me, the control is in there. And so we all have those parts that we don't like, but it doesn't mean that it's not part of us and it's not good. So the inner shadow side of myself as controlling comes in handy if I want to do a big project. So shadow work is really important. And I would end this, there's again so many things that I'll, I'll end it with knowing the importance of honoring as best as you can to honor yourself wherever you're at. Inner work, from my perspective, requires honoring where we're at, being compassionate with ourselves, not to beat ourselves up if we're not where we want to be, and to do that work in a way that works for us, and that's something that we resonate with. And it's the shadow work that you were talking about is because sometimes when people are, um, when they talk and you ask them something, they will share sometimes the best of them. And if they haven't really worked out with all parts of them, sometimes their actions are not necessarily inclined with what is the best of them, such as, you know, most of the time, if you tell people, you know, do you lie? They're like, no, of course not. Yeah. Uh, I'm very honest. But then if, you know, throughout the day, they become very, very in tune with themselves and aware, they'll start becoming aware of how many times I lie and I justify my lying right. or anything else. Yeah. That was just a small example, which is sometimes we're not aware of the other parts of us, which everybody else is aware of because it's coming through your behavior. Yes. <laughs> But you're not really, you know, you're only focusing on one area of yourself and you're not really watching how you, you know, all your other parts are actually, you know, uh, showing up in, in, in that. Of course, in an extreme cases, people see it, but so many are not necessarily in that extreme case. Um, but I'm sure everybody has experienced saying, I'm going to do this, but they completely do something else. And they're like, well, I really intended to do this. And how come I you know, um, subconsciously, I did something else. I said, I want to be in a good relationship, but I keep sabotaging it. I keep saying, mm -hmm. I don't want to eat this much, but I do it anyway. I keep exactly. saying, I'm not going to drink, but I come back and drunk. So obviously there are a lot of the dualities, between, you know, in humanity. And a part of the inner work is to bring all of that into um, the light. And, mm -hmm. and when we bring it into light, then we'll bring it into a wholeness in that perspective. Exactly. Oh, that's so beautifully said. Thank you. Now, what was the reason you called your book Humanity's Cry for Change? And you're also saying that the action you make is going to be create a new earth. So as you bring the personal journey and then expanding it into a complete generalization about humanity and earth, can you share this leap of, you know, one person oh, yes. back into the whole. Absolutely. 
because we are all interconnected, everything is energy. As we do our own individual work, one person does their own work, or a million people, they do their own work. This ripples out to the collective consciousness of humanity. So imagine with me, even though one person may feel like they can't make a difference, they really are. Because when you do one person times a million or a hundred million people, could you imagine that there can be a shift on the planet where there really are higher vibrations of love and kindness and peace with inner peace? And that all adds to the collective consciousness. And this is why um, my book describes, and I will say, and others will say as well, each one of us really add, is an important piece to the whole puzzle. And we do all add, you know, this is demonstrated like when we're at a, uh, watching a sports game uh, at the big stadium, you know, the energy and synergy that happens when we're in big crowds or a, a music concert or, you know, what about the emotions and the feelings we may feel at a funeral? Or, you know, whether it's happy or sad. Or the experience of 9-11, when the two twin towers were uh, blown down. And on a collective basis, there was actually a fascinating scientific study on this. On a collective basis, so many people's hearts opened up and poured out. And it was very tragic and definitely not to make light of the loss of so many lives, beautiful lives. But yet there was an outpouring of love all on a collective basis, one person at a time, times millions and millions in the world who added to the outpouring of love. There was an actual um, increase in vibration for a little bit as a result of that. So there definitely is a relation between what one person can do and so many people added together, collect, adding to the collective. I think that people can, if they're not connecting with that, they can for sure connect to the other way that even one individual affects. So I, some of these maps, oh, yes. one yeah. individual shows up and uh, yeah. devastates so many people and families. Yes. So you can imagine, you know, one person decides to go through to war and devastates millions and millions and millions of families. So when you see that how one person can affect the yes. world That's in a such a negativity, point. you can also yeah. maybe really take into account that even one person can really really change the humanity mm -hmm. toward, you know toward the peace toward love toward being in harmony together. Yeah. and then you know yeah. the, the decisions that people take is what takes the earth and takes it into a whole different level and the same you know decisions can really take on uh with companies and with yeah. the way we are with humanity and earth into a whole different level also so for all of you who are like well what can one person do yeah. imagine the destructions that one person can do and imagine mm -hmm. then this you know another person can 
create and uh, have have that be an effect that is healing versus yeah destroying. yes there's so many people and beautiful again I keep repeating myself but beautifully said uh, and we can think of all of all of us can probably think of someone in our lives who is someone who has made a really positive change Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King or maybe there's a special manager at where you work who has just an incredible way of working with people and then the mother that has made a big difference in her special needs child or her child who has no special needs how do we show up individually with another person and all of us have experienced having an upset and having a friend being there and they've made a big difference in our lives so in many different uh, uh how do you say at different levels different parameters there are so many ways that people do make a difference yeah yes. both ways positive or otherwise yes so yeah. humanities cry for change everyone actions you can take to create a new world by kate hartzone mm -hmm. um this is really a book where um when people read it uh, there's an experience of knowing your own value and that you are part of a bigger picture, that you're not isolated. And, um, and then you also have a responsibility when you are part of a bigger picture in how to be. And it starts with you, your responsibility for yourself and how you're gonna be and how you choose to be. And then for that to kind of like, um, you know, have this effect that would be um, going to the masses and going to the, to the energy of the world. Um, as we're getting closer to the end of our conversation, is there anything we haven't really shared about your own experience or about the book and you want people to know? Thank you. I would like people to know that um, I have had the blessing and the gift to be able to re receive the information of this book while I'm meditating. Um, just incredible words of wisdom that came through and that resulted in the book but it would it required for me to have trust which I developed many many years ago thankfully and not that people should trust everything but definitely trusting your intuition is key so that was a big impetus on creating this book and I would also say from my own personal experience it is possible to transcend difficulty and it doesn't mean that we don't have difficulty as life goes on. Uh, we always have our ups and downs, but when we know our worth and we know that we have value and we are an important piece to the whole puzzle, that can give us that empowerment. Uh, in my mind, and I've seen people ex uh, experience this, the anchor within to help to move forward and that really is possible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to say three things at once. <laughs> You're doing fine. Oh, it, it really, thank you. It really is possible to make a positive change in our lives. So I would encourage all of your listeners to know, truly, there is hope that there is positive change that can happen in your life. Beautiful. Beautifully said, humanities cry for change, everyone. 
um, Kate Hearthstone. Kate, how could people find you and get the book? I have a website, joyfulradiance.com, J-O-Y-F-U-L-R-A-D-I-A-N-C, joyfulradiance.com. Uh, they are welcome to check out the website. Um, there is um, a newsletter that they can opt into. And there's also two free heartwarming exercises or meditations. Also, I have in the fall upcoming a new workshop coming. It's called How to Awaken to Your Authentic Joyful Life. So information on that will be through the e-newsletter. So I am happy to answer any questions people have. I am here to serve and here to support you and your audience. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the time that you shared with us. Oh, my joy, my pleasure. Thank you so much for all what you do as well. Thank you, everyone. Go get the book, Humanity's Cry for Change by Kate Hartstone. Yeah. Thank you so much and create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye. Awesome.